Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a muscular guest. This is Craig Hess. Uh, he owns a funeral home and crematory. Is, it, is that the correct Just a term? funeral home, soon to be two funeral homes. Okay, yep. soon to be two funeral homes. Uh, he's not too far away from where Dakota and I grew up. I grew up in a villa. Dakota okay. grew up in Kenville. Uh, looks like... Craig's out of Rome City. Walkerville technically is Walkerville. My, my native town with the, the big town of Walkerville where dreams come true. <laughs> uh, but now Rome City, Sylvan Lake, yeah. Awesome. Yep. So we're excited to have you on. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. First and foremost, I do appreciate you guys. It's an honor to be here today. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Do you know Cody? Cody. Myers, the I guy did, that Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to met him at the gym a long time ago, back when I had hair. So <laughs> oh, back when I was a young stud with hair, and now I'm... I'm not sure. I'm like the Walmart version of The Rock now. So, <laughs> yep. something like that. You're yeah. like you're like The Rock, not not not, not Vin the Diesel. Walmart version. Not Vin Diesel, you know. You don't want to be Vin Diesel. <laughs> no. He's like a has-been. You see him now, it's like, oh, geez, that's like a dad bod. Oh, God, yeah. But The Rock still has it going for him. Yeah. Give him that, yeah. Yeah, when they fought, I mean, The Rock looked way bigger. So that scene in The Fast and Furious, I was literally sitting at the movie theater in Kendallville. And there's a you know, the buildup. It's there. You know, you see it's yep. about ready to go at it head to head. Some dude stands up and he has like a button down. He takes it and he rips his shirt and he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And I'm like, I don't know what that guy's on, but I need it. <laughs> meth, you know, meth's up there, so we have that going for us. But I shouldn't say that. Was that guy doing that? <laughs> yeah, he literally did. Yeah, he literally ripped his shirt, like the buttons and all. I remember. Was he ripped? Not at all. Oh. No, not at all. No, he shouldn't have done it. So. <laughs> he shouldn't have done it. But, hey, you know, I, so now we're talking about it on a podcast how many years later, so he that's his moment of fame. Yeah. So, yeah. He made an impression. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. So uh, take us through uh, how you grew up. It looks like, you know, you grew up in Wilkeville. Did you go to East Noble? I went to Lakeland High School, mm. um, okay. which is in LaGrange. So. Mm. Um, from the time I was a kid, I went through Wolcott Mills Elementary School in Wolcottville, went through all through the Lakeland School Corporation, uh, graduate of 2011, um, actually graduated early to start college early. I was one of those. Uh, I think they tried to suspend me from school because I skipped so much school, so they let me graduate early. Mm. That makes I don't think that really makes sense. But So I started college when I was freshly 18, and all I did my first semester was party try to meet women party some more try to meet more women and party some more so we about <laughs> flunked out our first our first semester we got we got c's and i was proud of that so but when, we're still here so. when you say we what do you mean by that me you and my and old alter ego you oh, know okay. yeah, 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 that guy he's, he's not here anymore i mean he sometimes comes out every now and then that was patricia <laughs> no, i'm kidding no. what is that what is that movie now you're it's thinking the, me uh uh yeah, what was that movie? It's it's um It's a one the, word. Yeah, I can't I can't think of it. I can't think of it either. Yeah. But that, that part's hilarious though. It's yeah. that was Patricia. Yeah, that was a crazy yeah. movie. So did you end up graduating college then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I went to I started off at it was IPFW back in the day. Now I believe it's Purdue because my dad teaches there full time. Mm-hmm. Um I was at IPFW my first semester, kind of figured out that I need to be more I, I need to find some type of path that is a little bit more linear, something that I can specialize in. I, I think that, you know, nowadays people back, I should say nowadays, back when we would have all been in high school, they just preach, you know, go get a four-year degree and then go on, go on, go on, go into more debt with student loans, et cetera, et cetera. As you guys are seeing, and as I've found, I think when you specialize in one area, some type of trade or something along those lines, I think you become more marketable. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I wanted to go to school to be, I wanted to be a doctor. 
That was my original thing, believe it or not, I wanted to be an ER doctor. I loved this show growing up called ER. I thought that it was like, you know, I need to be like Dr. Carter off ER. He's a stud. He's got it going for him, probably making a bunch of money. All this, you know, trauma and stuff, like this would be really neat. So I went and I job shadowed at the local doctor's office, Dr. Booth in um, LaGrange, still my family doctor. And um, I was, I think, one of the last kids to sign up for, like, that program. It was, like, called CDC. It was a... Uh, career placement you know get out of school type of event is what Mm -hmm. it was you know so i viewed it as that so i was like i'll go sign up at the doctor's office go down there of course i'm like one of the last students to sign up so they say hey you need to you need to find a new place to do your job shadowing and i'm like shit (laughs) so i go back and um, i tell the counselor i'm like hey i don't know what to do I, i i don't have any options that's the only doctor's office in town she's like well what, what else could you do? And I, I was being a smart ass. And I said, well, if I can't deal with them when they're alive, I'll deal with them when they die. And she's like, that's a great idea. You should go to the local funeral home. And I thought, I was like, oh, God, this is creepy. I don't want to do this shit. You know, like, so I go down, and there's two funeral homes in LaGrange. There was Carney Frost Funeral Home and the other one, Fruit May Funeral Home. And I reached out to Fruit May Funeral Home first. That's the kind of premier funeral home in town back then. And so I reached out to the owner there, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can come down. I'll, I'll tell you about the business, whatever. So go down there. I'm wearing a suit, you know, 18 years old, nervous, sweating. I can feel the beads of sweat dripping down to my, you know, my butt from my back. But it, no big deal. I go in there, and he paints this horrible image of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, so money in this. It's awful schedule. You have horrible, you know, things that you have to see and deal with. He's like, if I were you, I'd get out of it. And I'm like... Yeah, I don't want to do this. That sounds terrible. So I go back to the counselor. I'm like, hey, I don't really want to do this. I think it sounds bad. This guy kind of told me not to do this. And she's like, well, there's another funeral home in town. Oh, shit, okay, here we go. Call up that funeral home. And I get the lady who previously owned it, and uh, her name is Melissa. Melissa is the sweetest southern lady you'll ever meet. And she's like, yeah, I'll show you the ropes. Um, You know, come down and... We'll get you acclimated. So they hired me on the spot. I started doing, you know, pickups in the middle of the night for him when someone would pass away, assisting on funerals, you know, that kind of stuff. And I did that for about a year, and then I decided to go on. I was at IPFW during that time period, so this is like right at the end of like high school, first year of college. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. And so then I decided to go uh, to Ivy Tech. Ivy Tech had a mortuary science program. So uh, that was, I went through this, a two year program, associate's degree, and then you have to take a uh, national board exam, which I only missed one question on. And I'm proud of that. That's like mm-hmm. one thing. I didn't care about school at all. I missed one question on that. Wow. And I got a 97% on my state board. I was, I was proud of that. Mm. 
So those were a couple things that no one will care about except me. <laughs> but still, um, and my, my dad now is, uh, he's getting ready to go, go to school as well. He's actually in the process of completing his mortuary science degree as well. And he, he has a PhD, he's a professor right now at Purdue here in town. So this is a second career for him at 60 years old. And wow. I'm making sure that he knows that I got really high scores because I was like the guy at school <laughs> didn't give a shit. And he's like trying to get extra credit and all this stuff like a typical nerd. So, um, but I'm proud of him. What did, what did your dad have a PhD in? Global leadership, I believe. Like marketing, global mm. leadership, something like that. Okay. Yep. Yep. He's a, he's a smart guy, the most down-to-earth guy you'll ever meet. And uh, that's going to be my business partner as we um, – first location of our funeral homes in LaGrange, as I mentioned. And then, then we uh, purchased land at the beginning of the year, and we're building a second location down here in Fort Wayne right now. And when you, so, when you lived at IPFW, you lived at the dorms? I did not. So I lived with another couple that we rented a townhouse a town home. It was a uh, wood, I think Woodbridge. It's off of, uh, help me out here. It's, uh, what road is that? It's not Washington Center. It's like down from like Pierre's and that area. Oh, Maplecrest? Yeah. It can, well, no, that's like a little further away. So you're talking. This is, um, what is that freaking road? It is Washington Center. Yeah, it's like and, Washington um, Center or something else. Yeah, Washington Center, and I can't remember that road, but yeah, I know but what you're talking. All I know is I don't remember most of it because I, I was pretty much you know drinking and having a good time back then. So mm. um, I don't even know if I slept in my bed more than twice. <laughs> I shouldn't admit that on camera. My bad. <laughs> so what got you interested in uh, in doing that then? Like mortuary science? Yeah, like you're so, like, all right, hey, I'll, this I'll is it. You, yeah, that's a great question. I, I just interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, you're I good. I got really excited for a yeah. second. So uh, I'll tell you what, for for me, um, when I first got into it, I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I was first generation in my family, and I remember I was working, I was helping out on my very first uh, pickup where someone had passed away at their home. So we, we call them trans, transfers from place of passing to the funeral home or into our care. And I remember... Um, Going in there, and it was a very, very somber, serious atmosphere, obviously. Here you are getting ready to take someone's loved one from a, a place of, you know, where they passed away at, and emotions are very tense, you know, they're very high. Um, everything needs to be, be done very delicately, and I just remember thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to help these people during one of their worst moments of life. Like, this is, this is something, like, this isn't just I'm going to sign up for a job and do a job and get paid for it. Like, this is a calling to me. Like, this is something that... If I'm going to do this, I need to put my soul into it because they need me. And so I just felt like I was doing the right thing. You know, it always felt like it was the right thing to do. Like it was some type of um, like this is my purpose of life. You know, and I've done several different things. I've been decent at different things. I've done, I did martial arts for eight years. I, I played a, a card game. It was called Magic the Gathering. I played a couple of professional events. Wow. Um, I did bodybuilding. I, I have I mean, I'm thinking. I have 19 entries. I won 15 of my 19 entries, but nothing will ever compare to that feeling of when someone tells you, thank you for taking care of my loved one. Like there's just nothing that, that beats that feeling. And I, I feel like that was, it was my duty to on earth to do that. Hmm. And more or less, you know, I, I see the industry is interesting. I mean, there's, there's people that are in funeral service for all sorts of sorts of different reasons. You know, there are people who they had a bad experience, so they wanted to do it for that reason, or they, lost a loved one and they wanted to make sure that they could take care of people the same way that funeral home took care of them because that was a positive experience some people are in it for the money um i think for myself it was just simply taking care of people it makes me feel good it makes me feel like i did the right thing mm. so it's been uh i think this is my 12th year working in the industry now it's all i've ever done it's all i know wow so, so did you know 
So a lot of people struggle with finding their purpose, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the reason that they're here. Yeah. And so, like you said, you had a lot of different things you're good at. I mean, obviously you're fit, you can freaking, you have all these different options, you yeah. know what I mean? You go bodybuilding, you could go play magic cards professionally. I, I, I really could, I probably could have made money doing that yeah. too if I really wanted to, yeah. Yep, so yep. you could have all these options. How did you know when you went and actually was like, okay, I went and did this thing. Did you know right in that moment or was it evolving or how did you definitely decide? Evolving. Definitely evolving. So um, I would say I mean, we're going to get deep here for a second. Love so it. Yeah, this, this is where this is where the story comes comes to fruition. Um, it tw so I got into funeral service. I was, it was 2011. In 2013, my best friend took her life. Mm. Worst day of my life. Worst thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, still to this day, it's, it's, it's why I am who I am. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on that next, but yeah. so she, she, she passed away, she committed suicide, took her own life and, um, left me devastated. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. That's how I got into bodybuilding. Matter of fact, so she passed away on October 18th of 2013. I started lifting weights the next morning and it just stuck. I mean, I used to go to the gym for six hours a day at times. I was just so, mm -hmm. that's just what I needed to do. I mean, that's a, that's a side of me that a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the things that I had to do to get from that dark place to a place that where I am now I mean it, it's it wasn't pleasant and I did it on my own I never once saw a counselor for any of that I never once took medication nothing I, I literally self-medicated um, not that I'm against counselors I think it's great I've, I've been to one before uh, for something else um, uh, and same with medication some people need that it's just not for me mm -hmm. so I was glad I was able to do it that way but so she passed away, and after you deal with the death that's close to you, then you have to go work around it all the time. So I was an intern in 2013 at D.O. Son's Funeral Home here in town. Great, great experience. I had been in, an intern for one month. She committed suicide, and then I had to go back. So that was like on a Friday. She passed away on a Friday. Visitation was on a Sunday. Service was on the next Monday. I was back that next Tuesday doing funerals for other people. Mm -hmm. That's probably not healthy. Mm -hmm. You should probably not have to go. And I think the very first, matter of fact, I remember it. The very first funeral that I helped with as an intern right after she passed away was a young man who also had shot himself. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, like, I, I need to figure this out. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And I, I'll, be, I'll be completely transparent. I, there was one moment during the visitation I went to the bathroom and I had to cry because I was so emotionally devastated from my own friend. So that's a, that's a tough one. That's not something that I, have, I talk about all the time. But um, so those those events made me who I am. And I, I do, I believe um, when you deal with tragedy or you go through some type of, you know, challenging moment in life, I, I don't think that I don't think it's meant to crush you. I think that it's meant to build you. I, I truly believe believe that. As a matter of fact, I embrace that. I love when something like horrible happens because it's like, OK. How do I fix this? How do I put the puzzle pieces back together to become better on top? And so far, every event that's ever happened to me in my life that's been that way, I have become better afterwards. And I know some people, they'll use that, those things as a crutch and, well, I can't do this because this happened to me. Not me. Won't do that. No, absolutely not. If you're going to remain stagnant because one bad thing happened in your life and you're not going to build off that, you will get nowhere in life. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, when something catastrophic happens, I'm like, okay, time to start grinding again. Let's let's do this. You know, it's uh, just always been how I've been, I guess. It, it, probably probably not a healthy way of doing things all the time, but it's worked for me. Yeah. So yeah. So when 
when that happened, did that like lead into okay, now I have to like help more people because of my friend, or like how did that lead back I into the skipped what you asked into I, the purpose? Yeah, so back to back to that, I keep going on tangents. Um, I have so much to share. Yeah, yeah I love it. No, I, I that's so much to share. Our, it's yeah. our responsibility to lead you back yeah, to answer yeah, the yeah, questions. Th- you just you, keep telling you. us yeah. the stories. Yeah, we'll be talking about weird stuff here. Yeah, in a little tell bit. us the so story. We dude. haven't got the tender yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I no, but it kind of turned me away from it. There were times mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of the business. I mean, right after she had passed away and trying to, you know, I still need to make a paycheck. So I still had to go in and do all that. I still had an internship to complete. I still had duties as a man to complete. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was challenging, and I wanted, I mean, there were several times throughout my career, I wanted, I, I did, I wanted to quit, I wanted to do something different. One time I wanted to go back to school and be a lawyer. I mean, it's been, wow. it's been all over the board, you know, I looked into starting a painting business once. I mean, it's anything to, to get away from it at times, but when I really found that I was in the right place um, was when I took ownership, which was at the end of 2019, early 2020. Wow. So when I, when I first bought that funeral home, that was what? That's what did it. That's mm. what I was like, okay, my name's on the sign now. I get to do things my way. And to the, I mean, I have, I have perfect re- reviews. Every family that we ever serve, we get cards written into us. I have a collection of cards, people, you know, thank you cards. And, um, you know, my philosophy has always been, I didn't come from a lot of money. I remember when I was in mortuary science uh, college, I had to go to Ivy Tech uh, in Indianapolis for the program. This is the only place in mm. the state that offered it at the time. And, um, knock our mic out of the way six times um and so i had 13 dollars and 22 cents in my bank account and i took my final 13 dollars and 22 cents and i remember thinking to myself this like i gotta do something to make this change and uh i will never forget that feeling you know i mean i literally i didn't have enough money to stop at mcdonald's I did, and it was like gas money right so yep. I, I'm, I'm lucky i made it back i think my grandpa gave me 20 dollars. actually i think i was getting ready to leave that morning he's like hey i'm, I'm gonna give you 20 bucks and, and my parents would help my parents were great parents it's not, not nothing like that it's just they wanted me to kind of go off yep. on my own do it my own way and, and i'm thankful they did you know that i i grew up in an environment that it taught me how to be a man you yep. know traditional values i believe in those still mm. so um you know, that being said, there were times where I wanted to get out of it. But then once I had the ownership role, that's when I was like, okay, like this is where I'm supposed to be at. Yeah. And um, it's kind of piggyback off that. Uh, I went through a divorce. So, and I, I'm going to just touch on that because it kind of goes into this even more. So yeah. I went through a divorce at the beginning of 2022. I was with someone mm-hmm. who just didn't fill my cup. You know, everything was all about her and um, her lifestyle and her friends. And I was on the last list of the, of the to-do list every day lived that way um my first five years of marriage were great the last two were were pretty much i was on the back burner and i finally one day i was like i, I don't want to do this shit anymore like I'm, I'm not going to yeah i texted her and i'm like hey um i need to talk to you because i want to talk to her about it mm-hmm. and she's like oh, i'm too busy I, I won't be home till such and such you know all this stuff and so i'm like so I asked for a divorce via text. Mm. That's that's the energy I got here. So, wow. and, and, you know, she's a good person. She's a successful businesswoman. I don't wish anything ill upon her. But um, so it was after that, you know, here's this really weird period where I own a business. I got to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Still trying to figure out my own mental health during that because, you know, that divorce is an emotional time oh, yeah. period. Even if you're ready to be done, which I was the one who asked and initiated it, still it hard. still was hard. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to go through that ever again. I don't even wish it upon my worst enemy. Actually, I do wish it upon him. I don't really like that guy. <laughs> I think he went through one, too. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
We'll talk about him later. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. I don't have any enemies. But um, so after, you know, you go through that process and it, it's such a emotionally draining process. Like I felt like I was like neglecting my families at the funeral home. And I remember there was finally this time period. It was New Year's Eve actually of last year. I was sitting on the couch and I thought, I need to get over the shit. Like this is annoying now. Like here's this tragic event that happened in my life. Now I'm going to take that. I'm going to piece it together, and I'm going to be, become better. Like, they, like we can't sit here and dwell and waller in this pity and sadness mm-hmm. over someone who just didn't want me to be in their life. It's okay. Someone will want that, mm-hmm. and I need to figure out how to become better. So, sitting on the couch New Year's Eve, um, I don't drink a whole lot, so I don't I don't really party much. So I was sitting there by myself. It was like, I think I think it was just like maybe 15 after midnight. So we're we're into the new year at this point, and. Um, I was dating a girl at the time. I didn't really like her that much. She was already asleep, if that tells you anything. So she was already asleep in the other room. And um, I'm like, I don't even like who I'm dating. I don't, like, what am I doing? Like, this, like, this life sucks. You know, I got to figure something out. So I'm looking at my dog, who's my best friend of nine years now. I'm like, Bella, what the hell do we do here? Like, you know, like, I'm asking my animals at this point. I got two cats, too. I'm like, what, like, what, what am I doing here? Are you guys going to help me out? Like, what's the options? And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, what if I, what if I expanded my business somehow? Like, how do I do that? What, what do I do? And I'm thinking like, you know, I could go work for other funeral homes doing like trade embalming. So if like someone needs an embalming done and they want to hire out someone to do it for them, like the dirty work and people make good money doing that. I thought I could start an embalming business. Like, nah, that schedule would suck. I don't really want to do that on top of my, you know, my owning a funeral home. Then you're working for other people too. It's kind of weird again. You know, I, I don't know. So I'm like, what if we bought a funeral home, like bought another funeral home? Nah, no one's selling right now. I don't want to do that. And I thought, what if we bought land? We just built one. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah. Like, what if I bought land and I built a funeral home? You know, that would be a, that. why not? You know, I'm 30 years old. If it, if it all crumbles, well, I'm in no worse of a position than I am now. I mean, I'm already emotional. So I may as well <laughs> do something I could, you know, I can sink energy into. And so it's at this point, like 1230 in the morning. And I'm like, set on building this funeral home. Like I already have like the layout in my head, how I want it to be done. Call my dad. He answers, dad, what's going on? Well, not much. We're sitting here. You know, my, my parents don't do anything on New Year's Eve either. They've been married forever and they're boring. And, um, I'm like, dad, I think, uh, when you get out of school, we should build a funeral home. He's like, it's like, I got a new year's resolution. Literally, You had to build a new funeral home. He's like, Really? He's like, well, should we talk about this more tomorrow? I said, absolutely not. We're going to talk about it right now. So on the phone with him until 2.30 in the morning, we're talking about this funeral home idea. Wow. And I have him on board. He's like ready to put his retirement into it, put his house up, you know, all this stuff. Um, he might, fortunately, we have a really good friend who um, is also going to be joining us too. So we, it's my, my dad's very best friend. He owns a bunch of farmland in, in Illinois. So he's one of our investors on that. Wow. So um, the three of us will be owners. And... Um, that uh, New Year's Eve, I don't know if you want to call it New Year's Eve resolution or whatever, to, I guess resolution to get out of my, my mental head, weird mental head space um, and progress, uh, that, that transpired into this. So now, you know, here we are. I have, a, I have one successful business, and thank God for that. And now I'm about to have one again. And I, I'm almost certain we, are one of the, we will be probably one of the only family-owned firms in Fort Wayne. Everybody else either... 50% corporate owned or fully corporate owned. And when you do that, you're paying a lot more. Your prices are getting inflated and families are suffering. So mm. like, it goes all back to my $13.22. I didn't have a lot of money growing up. I don't need a lot of money to survive. As long as I can keep doing the right thing, then I'm happy. Mm. 
So that's the long-winded version of that. Yeah. Well, when go back to when you f- bought the first. Uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was scared. It's how ter- did, how it's did you how did you come up with the money for it? This is I will we'll get into that. So this is the this is the best story ever. So I was working down here at Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Home again. They had got bought out by a corporation called um, Service Corp International or Dignity Memorial. You see it on all their signs. And, you know, they paid pretty well. It set hours, um, benefits. You know, I thought, I can do this for a little while. It's fine. And um, so I was uh, I was there for about a year and a half. And they, when I, my time period there for that year and a half, I think I had five different bosses. Like the turnover rate was just insane. I mean, these, you have people down in corporate at, in Texas dictating how you serve families here in Fort Wayne. It was complete shit. That's the only way to put it. Um, I I am appalled I worked for that company. I didn't care if they hear that. They can come after me. I'll take them out. I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I'm kind of not, though. They, it's just not a good environment. You know, people are paying for things they don't even want. Um, they're, you know, upselling, and there were quotas that we had to reach, all this crap. I mean, it was just like, I remember one time, this family, it was like a $17,000 funeral, which is already astronomical. And the obituary in the Fort Wayne paper was like thirteen. How much was that? Said it was seventeen dollars. Thirteen dollars was my bank account. It was seventeen dollars over the the estimate that we put on the statement. So the family still owed seventeen dollars. I literally was on a corporate conference call for that seventeen dollars with like three head honchos in a corporate, and they're like belittling me. They're like pissed off that I didn't get the seventeen dollars collected. I'm like thinking to myself, first of all, f you, f you, and f you. Second of all, seventeen thousand dollar funeral, and you're worried about seventeen dollars. Like I, I can't I can't reason with that, you know. So I knew I was in the wrong place. Well, about six months after that, they had this process where we had to if someone were going to be have a cremation completed, um, the family had to identify the, the individual or we as the funeral home would identify the individual for them if they opted out of it. So there was a, a family that they opted out of it. Um, they wanted me to do the identification for them, went down, did the identification, signed my name put the time on the paper. I forgot to put the date on the paper. They fired me for not putting the date on the paper. Mm. Let's go back to my friend committing suicide on October 18th of 2013. So this is the anniversary of her death. They fired me on October 18th of 2019. Double kicking the balls. Felt like shit about myself. Driving home, trying to fight back tears. Like, here I suck at being a funeral director. My friend died, you know, X amount of years ago because I was a bad friend. You know, I'm blaming myself for all this crap. Horrible time period. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, I mean, just talking about it. Like, if, if I were ever depressed in life, it were that day. Mm-hmm. And so I drive home, and, you know, my mom, dad, and uh, wife at the time were like, oh, it'll be okay. You'll figure it out. I'm thinking, no. <laughs> no, I'm ready to throw in the towel now. Like, you know, where's the white flag to start? You know, I surrender. Like, this, this, this shit sucks. And so I then finally, um, I'm, like, trying to apply for anything under the sun over that weekend. So from... It was October 18th of 2019 until that following Monday. I'm just applying to everything. I mean, I think I would have worked at McDonald's if you asked me to. I would have cleaned your guys' toilets, you know, whatever. I just needed something. And um, it was, uh, I was on my way to a staffing agency. That's what it was. It was October, yeah, it was on the, tw- I think it was the 21st again. It was, yeah, I think that's what it was. That Monday, the following Monday, they fired me on a Friday. Following Monday, I was, I was heading to a staffing agency and I got a phone call from the lady, that Melissa lady I told you about at the beginning of the podcast who owned the Carney Frost Funeral Home. She goes, hey, 
you're not working for that funeral home anymore? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm kind of sad about it. <laughs> and she's like, well, you hear about what my dumbass husband did? I said, no, what'd your dumbass husband do? He was the one who actually owned the funeral home and, and was the funeral director. She goes, well, Mike left my ass. He went off to California to some woman. She's like, I don't want this damn thing. Come buy it from me. Wow. And I'm like, Melissa, I don't have any money. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do that. She's like, I don't give a shit. She said, come take it over from me. She said, we'll figure it out. And I think uh, it was that night I went up there and we worked out a land contract. So that's how I started. I actually went on mm -hmm. a land contract, old school style. So fortunately now we've, we've built to a spot where we don't have to do a land contract now. But in the beginning I had to. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before. And honestly, we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. Talk about talk about so, the terms of that land contract. Oh my gosh. Like she said nothing oh, down. I would have to. What did you have to do I'm, for her? <laughs> so she always makes this joke. <laughs> let me let me get a drink for this. My husband. Left this is gonna be a long story. Like, my husband left me. I'm gonna go up to the funeral home and so let's I'm talk a, about. I'm, the, a sugar, uh, I'm a sugar baby. I, <laughs> I don't know. She uh, she always said to me if I couldn't make uh, make the payments to her each month, I could pay her in trade. I said, she's she's from Kentucky. I, I think they do that stuff down there. Yeah, she's she's a cool lady. She's like a. I've been fortunate in life, and I. I I'm sure you guys have people like this in your lives too who are like mentors. I've had really good female mentors in my life. I don't know why, but I've always had really good women in my life. Mm -hmm. um, probably why I'm picky about dating women because I've had such good women. So I'm like, I'm not going to just date you. You have a nice ass, but I'm not going to date you. <laughs> I mean, I might date you for a little bit of ass. Kind of <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Okay, I'm probably going to date you because your ass is nice, but whatever. <laughs> I, I, it might not be long term. So yeah, it more or less, uh, we had to... Um, she didn't make me pay anything down. So I, I essentially started, I took over the funeral home. I started redecorating, painting, all that stuff. January 1st of 2020. So when I got my LLC and all that stuff put together. Um, and she had a set amount that she wanted each month. And she said, you do this, you pay down the, the total amount of, the, of what I want, but this is what I want each month. No interest, nothing is literally the best deal that you could ever come up with. Can you with. tell us more? How much was it? Like, what was the amounts that she had to pay? Stuff like that? Yeah, you yeah, don't want to. You don't no, to, I, I, I don't really mind I'm it. I'm curious. Um, so, yeah, no, in the beginning, I mean, I didn't pay anything down. I have a monthly total. I pay, I pay $4,000 a month Okay. for, um, like, the, I guess you want to call it, like, my, my mortgage, so yep. to say. Yep. So 4000 a month, and I, I have my utilities on top of that. And what's so, the interest rate? I have no interest rate. You have zero? Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. And then yeah, that, what's that's, the... that's just the, I guess here's the interest rate. There's an apartment above the funeral home. She has to live there as long as she's alive. Oh, okay. It's not a big deal to me. It's actually kind of nice because there's times, fair. there are times where people pop up at the funeral home that want to get dust certificates or get something that's at the funeral home. And I'm down here or somewhere else. I can call Melissa. Hey, can you meet this people out, out front? And she does it for me. That's awesome. So we have a really good friendship. She's literally like a second mom. You wow. Know? I mean, and. I, she knows everything about me. I tell her these, some of these stories. It, it, we can get into Tinder soon. I'll tell you all about that. Yeah, I mean, it's. She, I, I call her. Hey, I got this. I got one of these Tinder dates. Oh, geez, wrap it before you tap it. She always says some like, smart ass comment. I'm like, okay. I mean, I normally don't do that, but the wrapping part. <laughs> so, what was the balance? I feel like we're starting to turn to Howard Stern now. Are we going to like a Howard Stern setting? Or I don't even know what that is. <laughs> 
You don't know Howard Stern? No. I, I know who he is. We don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, right. they had him on American Ooh. Idol, so he can't yeah. be that bad. But <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to get into Howard Stern. You guys have any grapes? You ever seen an episode with the grapes? No. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so, right. what's the balance left then? Like, what do you owe her now? Oh, like, what's the long-term um, plan? So or? I've been, yeah. Uh, what year are we in? 2023? Yep. I'd have to calculate it. I'd have to go back and I, I actually don't know how much I've paid into it. I know what the amount was. I, I mean, it was four hundred thousand dollars. Okay, she wanted for the building, which is nothing. It's cheap. Oh, it's so, just the building, and but you got the business and, the and everything yeah, too. I got, so I got all their prearrangement files, all that stuff. I mean, there was future business already there. Wow, it wasn't a bad deal. It was. I mean, truthfully, guys like me who their parents didn't own it first, I would have never have had an option to be in this position if it wouldn't have been for someone like her. So that's crazy. I really owe her way more than, than what I'll ever even pay her because mm. without that, I wouldn't, I would never be here. So, so yeah, I'm, like, I'm thankful for, for that. That's like a hundred payments. So it's around, you know, eight, paid, eight and a half mean, years at, or so. Mm. Let's see where we're at here really quick. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. How though. many months have I been there? So 12, 12 400,000. Yeah, it'd be divided by 4,000. So it'd be 100, divide that by 12. So that's 8.3 years. You've been paying on it for about three. So you probably got five years left. It's not bad. That's really good. I mean, yeah. for zero down, if you yeah. can ever get a zero down and then you yeah. already have a cash yeah. flowing business, I mean, that's a no brainer for anybody. Yeah. Because so what is what is that? Uh, uh, I'm curious on this too. What do funeral homes like profit per month? Oh my gosh, it just depends um, on the, the call volume. So I'm in a small town, so it's a little different for me. Uh, a large city, I mean, it could, oh God, I mean, you could you could do who, who I, I wouldn't even want to know. I mean, I want to know, but yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it could be pretty, it could be pretty substantial. You, you kind of hit it on the backside of the pandemic, or did you, oh gosh, were you wearing so a mask I, and a visor when you were going out to these bodies and that sort of thing? So I was Darth Vader the first time I ever dealt with COVID. I wore yeah. like a literal, a literal hazmat suit. Mm -hmm. um, and I, was, I had glasses on. I didn't wear my contacts today for whatever reason. It was all fogged up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine like the hell with this shit. Like I don't wear anything. I wear gloves when I do embalmings. Mm -hmm. uh, the state's probably going to see this and come shut me down. Like I, do, <laughs> I just don't. I, I don't do all the. I, I should. Everybody well, yeah. should. My dad will because he's an intern. He's I was going to say with eye protection. I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm. I'm like I'll wear flip flops in there. You know, it's just how I am. But uh, I do wear gloves. But when that when COVID was prevalent, so I took over 2020. COVID happened like March of 2020. So like I was in business for like two and a half, three months. All of a sudden the pandemic happens, which was weird. You think it would be good for my business? It really wasn't. Because everybody then went from like traditional funerals to just like you know cremation, just quick mm -hmm. easy deals, and then you also had the pushback. Like there are people. I remember there was this one. I had a family that had a fully funded traditional funeral, visitation funeral, nice casket, all that. They had seventeen immediate family members, and they're like, "Well, we want to do a funeral. Dad prepaid all this. This is what Dad wants. He wants military honors. He wants the whole shebang. Just because there's a pandemic, that's not fair to us." Mm -hmm. I I agree with them. So. Um, I told them, I said, well, listen, I don't really give a shit. That's literally my exact words. I'm looking at this family. They just met me. I don't really give a shit what we do as long as you guys are happy. So I, I told them, I said, you know, if my dad and I will wear our masks. If you guys want to wear your mask, great. If not, you know, I can't control that. I'm not going to mm -hmm. pick on some six foot five grown man, but hey, put your mask on. He's going to eat me. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be that stickler on that. You know, people are allowed to do what they want in life. 
So I just told him, you know, hey, we can, we'll host this whole thing. We'll do it normally. You guys can have your service. Um, military honors wouldn't come out because of COVID, but we still got a flag for him and stuff. So we still do what we did. Um, and I, I presented the flag did on the behalf of the Grateful Nation, you know, thank you for your loved ones, you know, all that stuff. So uh, I still tried to do the best I could with everything. And um, that family called me about a year after that and thanked me. They said, you did the right thing. We appreciate that. And I'll never forget that. I, I think that um, I'll always try to do the right thing, you know, in, in life because when you don't, and I don't know, I'm not like always the most spiritual and religious person, but I still believe that God's watching you do something shitty that he's going to see that and you're going to pay for it some way. So like, I don't, I'm not going to do anything bad. Like I'm not going to screw anybody over. There have been so many times where I could have made an extra buck doing this or that. I can sleep at night knowing that I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm always, um, always trying to do the right thing. Always trying to make sure that, you know, whatever I would, whatever action I'm going to do, I'd want someone to do the same action towards me. You know, it's kind of goes along with the, don't say nothing nice. if You don't say anything at all. You know, just always try to do the right thing. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about bodybuilding. Oh God. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, um, man, I spent, I, I, I was a grinder with that. I, I sunk my soul into that sport. It was everything to me. Um, when I, I mean, I went from being a nobody to every time I go into a gym, I always have one of the better physiques. I mean, it, it took me little bit of time to do that but i i just I, I sunk my soul into it i haven't missed a meal in seven years i've eaten six meals a, a day for seven years now um i'm on the downward swing of that at this moment but when when i first got into bodybuilding it's because my friend passed away and i remember i was at this local gym uh, my high school gym matter of fact lakeland high school and um i've been training pretty hard i didn't know what the hell i was doing my first time i went to the gym I started lifting weights right after she died. So I was YouTubing how to work out. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know how to bench press. I didn't know how to squat. self-taught, you know. And so um, it's like six months into that, I started to respond. You know, like my body started to have this, like, natural shape to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy who was a retired bodybuilder is like, hey, man, you should think about doing one of these bodybuilding shows. Oh, bodybuilding show. Like, like, like the spray tans and, like, the man thongs. Well, it's not really like that, but it kind of, I'm like, that sounds gay. <laughs> do that, you know. I got uh, another six months goes by. And the guy's like, "Man, you should really consider this." And I'm like, getting compliments now. Like people are saying stuff. My girlfriend at the time was saying stuff like, "Yeah, you look kind of good now." You know, I'm like, oh, "Okay," you know. I wonder who else might think that. But um, anyways, so we just kind of um, kind of progressed, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do a show. I'm gonna do one of these shows." So first show I did it was in 2016. It was a local show in Fort Wayne. I, I think there were 10 guys in my class. I got third, and I was natural. I was a natural. I competed against guys who weren't natural. And I was like, you know, this is great. You know, I, I was actually able to do that, and, you know, and I fell in love with the sport. So 2017, I competed twice. Um, 2016 didn't have classic physique. They had just started with classic physique, and I was a men's physique guy my first year. The difference is the board shorts um, and classics, the, like, the Arnold trunks, like Arnold Schwarzenegger trunks. And so my first... Uh, First year I did men's physique. Second year I was like, I got to be a classic physique guy. So, and I I, I grinded that year. And um, my first year I got third place. Second year I got second and third place, and I was pissed. I walked off stage um, at the third show I did with a with the third place, and I was like, fuck this. Like it's time to get serious. Like you guys don't know what's about to happen. And I went to a dark place. I trained so hard from 2017 to 2018. 
did everything I needed to do to make sure I was going to win. And I showed up that day in Anderson in 2018. It was the Anderson bodybuilding show. I, I showed up and I won men's physique, classic physique, um, both open, and I won the novice in both. So I, I walked away with four first place trophies that day. Dang. And then 2019, I did the same thing. I won again. I think I won that year. I won six first place trophies. And then 2020, 2020, I don't like to talk about that year. 2020 pisses me off. I should have won. I can show you the photos to prove it. But um, there was, a matter of fact, I kind of want to show him one here just to like, call this guy out. Like, when are we going again? You know, <laughs> I forget his name. Like, you know, he's from Michigan. But I'd... anyway, so his, uh, his coach um, was the promoter of the show. And I had this guy be in every angle. I was bigger. I was strong. I was leaner. I, I had the shape. And they, they gave it to this guy, and it was all political. And it pissed me off. 2021, I went back to that same show because I was like, you know what, the hell with you guys. Like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I won classic physique, men's physique uh, again. And then my divorce happened. It took some time off. And um, I started noticing a change in bodybuilding. The people. The people are not the type of people I want to be around anymore. Um, when I was living and breathing that, I had issues. I had uh I was overcoming the trauma from my, from my friend passing away. I, I think I was probably unhappy at moments in my marriage. So like I sunk that energy into bodybuilding. It was something positive to put my time mm -hmm. into. I'm not angry anymore and I'm not upset about anything anymore. Life's good. I'm ready to build a million dollar funeral home. You know, like, like life is good right now. I, my, my parents are still living. Like I have all these close friends who are thriving and like, I, I don't have that negative energy to sink into that anymore. So I, I was actually in contest prep up until about a week ago. I was, I was been dieting for about four weeks. And I just noticed that it's such a negative entity. Um, the gym is not. The gym's not negative. The, com the competition side of bodybuilding is. And then you start talking about steroids. You start talking about people with all these issues. And then you culminate that into or, or cultivate that into like a, an environment, like a, a gym scene. Like a culture. Oh, it, it is. And then it's, it's just so negative. It's not like there are guys who go to the gym and they're super positive and happy and they're great guys to be around. I love goal oriented people like that. Martial artists are the same way. I love that stuff. But bodybuilding is different. It's a very egotistic, uh, you know, ego, egotistical um, passion. And, you know, it's look at me, look at me. And you can see it. Like if you follow any of the bodybuilders online, you can see like the dumb shit that they post, like war mode. I'm a savage. Like, <laughs> you, you're getting on stage with a, with a spray tan and a man thong. And it's a beauty pageant. You're not a warrior. I have friends who have been in war. Like, I, you're not, like, you're nothing special. And so I just, like, and I realized that there's no payoff to it. There is no payoff. Like, could I go get my pro card? Absolutely, I believe I could in men's physique. I could absolutely get my pro card. I know pros who are men's physique competitors who I'm bigger than. I would have no, I would have no doubt that I could do that. I get no financial benefit from that. Um, I remember there's a local guy who is literally the, like the best local bodybuilder I know, DeAndre Campbell. I think everybody knows DeAndre. I don't know if you guys know that name or not, mm. but DeAndre, he was, he's a pro classic physique competitor. He made it to the Olympia. He won the Tampa Pro Show. Um, to qualify for the Olympia. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Olympia or not, but you have to win a pro show to qualify for the Olympia. And the Olympia is like a, it's like the Super Bowl of bodybuilding. Like you want to go there if you're a pro. And so he qualified for that. He did okay at the Olympia, but his winnings for that pro show were less than what my cheapest memorials, memorial service would be. So he sunk all this stuff into, you know, X amount of weeks into this one show to win it. He got some cool photos. 
he got nowhere with it. And I'm not trying to take away from him. He can say that he won a pro show. I can't say that. But, I mean, in the broad scheme of life, I would much rather be more. And he, he's, he does fine. The guy, I'm not trying to pick on him. I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him. He's a great guy. But I'm just saying, like, here's the best of the best. And he's not making it with this hobby or with this sport, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. He's not making it with that. How is someone like me going to make it with that? So I had to figure out, like, you know, what, what makes me feel best? What, what, where am I the happiest at? And that's taking care of people. Taking care of people in the funeral home. I mean, that's – and I still want to be big. I still want to be strong-looking. I, I still have a duty to be, you know, like, in shape. I think as a, as a professional, like, you should be – like, you should hold yourself to a certain standard, I think. Um, I know, like – I like – there's a guy named Tyler Seacrest. We were talking about him a bit ago. I like Tyler. One thing that's impressive about Tyler is he holds himself as a, at a professional standpoint. I mean, he doesn't bodybuild, but he's in great shape. You can tell the guy lifts, um, and he's a successful businessman. Both of you guys are in good shape. You know, I think that there's some value to that. I think that people take you differently in the business world when you show up. They're like, oh, shit, that guy oh, looks kind of jacked. What, you know, like, I think people do treat you differently. I've, I've seen it. You know, um, you can you I'm not saying you can paint your way by intimidating people with your bicep muscles, but kind of. I mean, it is it's a little bit of a, of a weird flex. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you've skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and Driving for Dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. Yeah, what so. I put, what I wrote down is, uh, so with bodybuilding, it seems like uh, you talked about in the gym and the happiness and stuff like that. It, what you're basically doing is you're putting your hands or you're putting your uh, self-worth almost in the hand of a judge in a way of a sense of like, hey, yeah. you judge me on how I did instead mm -hmm. of like, like for me, I don't work out for like any kind of intimidation or anything like that. Like honestly, like I don't give a crap if you look at me. You feel good. Yeah, exactly. It's it's endorphins, and then it's yeah. for me to be better about um, for business, for mental clarity, for stress. It goes into the business world, though. Yeah, like it does benefit you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's I, so many benefits. I don't know why people don't. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be a bodybuilder. You don't need to be yeah. a black belt in karate. You don't need to do any of that stuff. But if you're out there being, I mean, if you're walking every day, yep. I think that there's a lot of a lot of power to, to life when you when you're in shape or when you feel healthy and feel good 100%. about yourself. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you I don't think you can really have a successful life without having health be Amen some yeah. some portion of it. I agree. Um, and we we uh, we have a coach and he talks a lot about just different um, all the basically four different areas of life. You know, your health, your yep. spirituality, your business, which is like you know your money, and then your relationships. If all four of those are doing well, then your your life is going to be great. What I do see a lot of people doing, and it, you've talked about it actually here, and it's I think it's it's still a healthier mechanism, coping mechanism than like you know going to drugs or alcohol Absolutely. or different things that you talked about. But at the same time, the funny thing that I noticed, at least in myself, Tony and I both been divorced. I did the same thing. I started going to working out. I started going to work. It's still a way of avoidance of dealing with that internal emotional that's that we're point. feeling. That's interesting you say that. Yeah, that's a, you're 100% correct, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's um, you, you just touched on, you said the four things that you need to thrive, essentially. Yeah. And I actually, the other day, and, I, and I'm, 
I don't know who your coach is, but he's a smart man. Um, I was thinking about, you know, different things of my life, like where, you know, my business is going well, my health is going well. Um, spiritually, I am better about that than what I used to be. Relationship. Mm. I do, I believe that when a man has a good woman in his life, in his corner to support him, I think they function at their highest capabilities. I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. I really do. I know um, when my marriage was sound and going well, I was, I was very, very efficient in life back then. I, I managed, um, you ever heard of Height Funeral Home in Kendallville? Yeah. I, I worked there for three and a half years, yeah. Dude, so, I was gonna ask you about yeah, that, actually. Brian DeCamp's one of my favorite people in the business. Oh, yeah, man. We're still, I still help him out every now and then. He goes on vacation, I'll cover for him, and um, yeah, they're, they're, good, they're good people. I, I love the DeCamp's, great people. Okay, we gotta talk about it after you finish your story. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, um, what, what was I saying? My mind is <laughs> So you're talking about how the woman is very oh, yeah, helpful. No, it's, it's, it's everything. I mean, so when I was, I was thriving back then, I did really well for myself and I worked for him. Um, and I was happily married. I mean, my, my marriage was the most sound it had been back then. And I, so I do believe that having a woman in your life who is a good support system, someone who brings you that peace, and that's the big thing. I mean, at this point, I can make my own money. I can cook my own food. I can do all this stuff on my own. But I need someone who brings that inner peace. If someone yeah. brings that inner peace, I'll give you the world. Yeah. You know, and so that that's that's probably my big thing. Um, that's that's the next step. I gotta I gotta find that. Once I find that, then everything will fall together. I love so, it. But I'm not gonna seek too hard. I think it's one of those things. Like I'm talking to a girl right now, and I think that she has the most potential of of any of them because you know she has traditional values. I'm not going to jinx myself, but I do think that, that that's a good fit. So as things progress, we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I think that that's a, it's a vital aspect for a man to, to function at his highest capabilities. I do believe that. Love it. i got to tell you a story about Brian DeCamp now. Oh, gosh, yeah, <laughs> Brian DeCamp. I have a lot of good stories about Brian DeCamp. Well, I got one. You have to mention that you came on this podcast, and then he'll remember me. He will not. He, I don't think he'll forget me. So uh, we were actually skateboarding. It's funny because Cody, uh, he's the guy who set this all up. You oh, know, know Cody. Cody. Yeah, no okay, so there. Cody and I were skateboarding there whenever I first got into town. Great I'm probably, parking lot for that. Yeah, I'm probably 14 years old. Um, all of them tore up all of his flowers all around it. Oh. They tore them up for some reason. Oh, they thought no. it'd be really funny. Oh, he no. thought it was me. And so he's he's just sitting there like yelling at me, and then I'll tell you another story that why you did this. But anyway, he's yelling at me. He's like, "I'm not mad at all these other kids. All the other kids he's pointing at are the ones the that ones did, did it. it. You're the one getting I, nailed. I'm the one that didn't oh, do no. it. Yeah. But the reason that he was pissed off at me is because I was at the top of his stairs. I think I was actually on a bike at the time because I went back and forth between yeah, biking and sure. skating. I was at the I was at the top of it and I was going to ride down <laughs> it. He as I'm on top of it, grabs the bike out from underneath me. I almost fall off of it, and he throws it in the middle of the road. Brian did? Yeah. That's hilarious. He literally threw it in the middle of the road. I ever being like that. Yeah. That's what's so funny. No, he's... Well, he thought I didn't mess with his flowers. <laughs> did, did, did he realize that you that you didn't afterwards? No. So he, he still to say things you screwed probably. up. Probably. Damn. Yeah. It's okay. You can write him a letter sometime. Yeah, well, you could you could let him know too that I, 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 it wasn't him; it yeah. was the other guys. Yeah, the guys that he yeah. was saying that it wasn't. But yeah, I uh, I thought it's so funny because I remember going home and telling my dad, "I'm like, yeah, dad, this guy, like, you need to go whoop this guy. This is some bull crap. He almost freaking pulled me yeah. off and he threw my bike in the middle of the road." And then my dad had a he had a conversation with him. I think he apologized to my dad and all this yeah, other now stuff. Yeah, Brian's night. He is, he must have been acting out of character. I don't know. He normally wouldn't be that way. We, I, I, I was fortunate when I, that was, he was a good mentor. He was one of the better mentors I've had for funeral service. Um, I learned a lot. He kind of like, it was baptism by fire. He threw me into it. So mm. I was an intern. I got through my internship, you know, I dealt with depression during all that. 
And then I was working at McCombs as a licensed funeral director. I passed my state boards, and they were paying me some shitty wage. Like, I think they were paying me like $35,000 a year. Wow. For starting off as a funeral director back in 20, that would have been 2015, I think, at that point. And <laughs> I'm like, ah, this is all I know. This is what I got. Well, it was like a month into that. I get a Facebook message one night from Brian DeCamp. He goes, hey, uh, didn't know if I'd be able to interest you in a job. He's like, my, my funeral director just quit and I need somebody. And I'm thinking, God, he's going to want me to like do all this kissing baby shit in a small town, you know, all this, <laughs> all this like small town funeral director stuff. Cause it's way different. Small towns have set, city settings, like metropolitan areas, they run their funerals eight to five and then they have like a night crew. Hmm. In, in a small town, I am the night crew. We do it all. So I'm thinking, I don't want to, you know, I don't know if I want to get into all this. He wanted to pay me double what wow. I was making. And I was like 20. 23 years old, the wow. 22, 23 years old at the time. At the time, you know, I paid for my own wedding cash. Like, we, we, like I was killing. I bought a new Mustang, bought the house on the lake. I'm like, God, this is really good. This is the good life. Um, but yeah, so that that was a good thing for me. I mean, he took care of me. That was I, I'm thankful for having that. Option. That's awesome. Yeah, I was there like three and a half years too. So we had a good good working relationship. Dang. But, yeah. When, you, when yeah. you think back on bodybuilding, something interesting. Uh, one of my professors, I disagreed with at uh manchester he was like more of a vegan and he had oh, like God, a lot yeah, of a yeah. lot of evidence against yeah. uh-huh. uh why men shouldn't be huge but he had kind of started to try like to a beta male. yeah he, <laughs> he had he had started to like founded this uh this theory that men have a problem being small or that like some people have a uh an eating disorder where they're like, you know, I'm, I never want to be smaller again. Do you think that, do you identify with that? Are you going to be okay now that you're out of bodybuilding being like, you know what, someday in the future, maybe I'll cut down to three meals. Maybe I'll back off a little bit and I'll be 200 instead of 235. I'm I'm 215 right now. I've dieted down. Okay. So you cut, you cut a little bit from when you were in bodybuilding. I was 230. Yeah. I I was dieting for a show actually not long ago. So would you be okay at 200 or would you be like, dude, this sucks. I'd be ripped at 200. I'd be, I'd be ready to compete on stage (laughs) at 200. Um, You know, so it, it, it is a mind. It it, it screws you with with mentally. Yeah. So, you know, you go from, and I noticed after my shows even. So if, you know, you go from 3 4% body fat to all of a sudden, well, the show's over. Now I got to start going into an off-season or in a health phase. So like, you know, because it's not healthy to walk around 3 to 4% body fat. You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, naturally, you can't do that. And if you can, something's not right with you. Cancer or something, seriously. Um, no, no joke. But um, I really struggled after shows because it's like okay my abs are going away i'm getting fat you know what do i do Mm -hmm. what do i do and it's kind of i mean it's a scary thing because and i think this is where a lot of bodybuilders really start to to develop issues is then all of a sudden you're like okay i'm gonna push more drugs i'm gonna take more steroids i'm gonna Mm -hmm. take more of this so i can Mm -hmm. stay leaner as i grow um and it's kind of like you start to spiral out of control i mean i remember i Jeez, I mean, there's certain coaches I've had that you know, they want you to push everything under the sun, you know, um, steroid-wise, and it's like, I don't really, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, long-term, how's this going to work? You know, I still want to try to have a kid maybe someday or something. I'm not sure if this is going to screw me <laughs> or not. You know, a little testosterone is one thing, but you're talking trend, insulin, growth hormone, all these things. I'm like, oh, jeez, I don't. How, how, how old am I? 30? Do I, do I really want to die at 45? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's so, but you can't 
look that way without that stuff, you know? So you, it, it's a hard, it's a hard fine line. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger had talked about just looking at himself and being like, you know, I wanted to, to, I could look at my body and be happy with it and everybody would yeah. give me compliments, but I still knew that like, oh, my upper chest, I could use a little bit more here and, and maybe this oh, muscle, yeah. I can't and see it, the anterior it, belt the way yeah. that I should and like these y- sorts you of know, things. I look at myself every morning and the girl I started dating, she, she gasses me up. She makes me feel like I'm like, you know, he-man and <laughs> that's good. She can keep those compliments coming. <laughs> but, but no, I, I look at myself, I'm like, God, I'm like, fat piece of shit right now looks small I'm like skinny fat what is this and she's like oh my god she views me as a greek god and i'm like girl you need to get your eyes checked but yeah no i i definitely have that issue but i think they call it body dysmorphia i think it's like a form of body dysmorphia right so i don't necessarily have an eating disorder i like to eat you know i mean i'm six meals a day i, I got chicken and rice out in the car after this podcast it's, it's going down i'm already thinking about uncle ben's rice right now like he's He's it's, got me hit, hooked up. But. It's so interesting, too, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of personal trainers will be like, hey, we put muscle on you. It's going to increase your metabolism. Yeah. It's going to help with your joint health. Yeah. It's going to give you new health benefits that you didn't have previously, especially if you're diabetic. You have yeah. more more places to store glycogen sure. and that sort of thing. And then I talk to guys like uh, there's a really talented physical therapist at Indianapolis Fitness and Sports Training named Bill Hartman. Mm-hmm. He, he was huge when he was a D1 uh, oh, sure. football yeah. player yeah. and javelin thrower but then he said at a certain point muscle comes at a cost like once you get past a certain amount of yeah, muscle you start to lose endurance you start to lose mobility you start to lose a lot of things and so he was basically like uh which is one of the reasons why i kind of switched because i i was lifting a lot and i switched mostly to calisthenics now yeah. because it was like getting to the point where it's locking my body up. And oh, it's I, terrible. I, I Bodybuilding has broke things in me that will never be fixed. I mean, I, I broke my rib one time leg pressing like 2,000 pounds. I mean, it was, yeah, I, I literally went really deep and I felt my rib Oh my break. gosh. I mean, that, I, I, I did one of my contests and I didn't realize that I kept, I felt like I had tendinitis, um, but it was actually, I had a hairline fracture in my elbow. It was a stress fracture from lifting. From lifting? Dumbbells. Holy yeah. crap. Was and that so, too fast or too? I, I don't know when it happened, what happened, but I wound up getting an MRI and it caught it. Um, I just kept training through it. I mean, it, 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 so I was so into bodybuilding, to be honest. Like, you've probably heard those, you've probably seen the, the theory before where it's like, you know, you ask an Olympic athlete, you have this red pill and this blue pill. If you take this red pill, you'll die in five years, but you'll win everything you do. Mm-hmm. I would have picked the other uh, third pill that said, you'll die like tomorrow, but you'll be a champion. <laughs> Everybody's going to remember you as a champion, you know? I, I didn't care. I mean, I would have done anything, you Live know? Live fast, die young. I remember, I'll never forget this story. Um, you guys, you know Iron Society Gym in town? Mm-hmm. So the owner, Lonnie Whitlock, used to be a friend of mine. Not anymore. Used um, to be? Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> I had a falling out with them. Uh-huh. Yeah, they got involved with my divorce, and they shouldn't have. Gotcha. Set nose in it. Anyways, I'll leave that alone. So Lonnie one time said to me, though, it was back when we were friends. Um, he was a very supportive friend back then. Um, we had, I had, uh, in 2019, I competed at this local Fort Wayne show. And it was like two weeks out from the contest. And I had to do fasted cardio that morning. I did make it to a manager meeting down here at the funeral home by like 7 a.m. So I was like up at like 3.30 in the morning trying to get cardio, get food around, get my suit around. So I'd shower at the gym, all this stuff. Get around and get to my car. I'm like, okay, I got 30 minutes to eat this meal one. It was like egg whites and oatmeal and blueberries. And I had it sitting on my center console. I had this Mustang. I had it sitting on my center console. And I go to 
put my seatbelt on. I don't know why I was going to, I was parked. I don't know why I was going to put my seatbelt on, but I, I prep brain. You don't think right. You have low, low carbs. I hit my elbow on the container of the egg whites and oatmeal and it fell on my car floor. My dogs had been in my car the day before and I have a husky mix that likes to shed. I had dog hair in my egg whites. I had grit from my ex-wife's shoes, you know, like all the stuff on these egg whites and oatmeal. I had no time to go home. And I'm just like, Champions are made. Champions are made right now. This is what this is what it takes to be a champion. So I scooped it up the best I could. I think I even got the car mat and like shook it so it like whatever little egg white crumbles could fall into my Tupperware container because I had to get every little ounce because I was so hungry. Two weeks out from the show is a horrible time period. You don't even function anymore. Like you're you just don't even like life. And got it all on there and I'm like, okay, got this. And I remember take my first uh, my first bite and I. It's like grit. It's like eating like dirt and like dog hair. I had dog hair hanging out of my mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, if I don't win this damn show, and I remember I, I told Lonnie at the gym that night. I said, Lonnie, I just did this. He goes, Oh, you're gonna win that show. He's like, There's no way. He's like, no one else has done what you did. Like, That's I the... won that show. <laughs> I won that show. And I'm like, and that's what it takes when you you gotta eat dog hair and God only knows what was on that car floor, you know. My ex wife, who knows what she had stepped in. Well, you know, you know they they make protein shakes at the gas station too. I mean, I know the, it's you, not you the, it's not the same distribution the of macros, but like, now that I'm not as like serious about it, like I, I, that's what I would have done. <laughs> you but got back four, then forty grams from you know muscle pro muscle milk or whatever would, the heck. It would have been ideal. Like, <laughs> truthfully, it wouldn't have really probably mattered. But in my head, I had to eat these egg whites and this oatmeal on this car floor because I wanted to be a champion. So, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, the things that I did for that sport and it like. I was so hardcore about it. And now I look back and I see the people that are like in that same position now that I was in. And I'm like, God, you're such a douchebag. Like, I, like your life sucks, man. Like get, get out of it while you still can. And I know I, I paint a horrible image of it, but truthfully it was really good for me. Bodybuilding. It, it taught me a lot of discipline. Um, it was, I mean, in a lot of ways it kind of saved my life. Like I needed something to sink energy into. And that was, that was where it went was bodybuilding. Um, so I like it's a part of, it's a part of me always will be a part of me. And, I'll probably go back to the stage someday again. I don't know when. Um, I think when I turn 35, I'm 30 right now. I'll be 31 in November. When I turn 35, I can start competing in the Masters division. So it'll be a little easier to get my pro card then. Mm. So I, I might, I might do that. If we'll see what my health's like then, and we'll see how I feel. And you know, a lot of it right now, you know, I'm so focused on the businesses. It's more of a priority. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you you understand what it's like when you when you sign that new construction loan. And, yeah, you gotta yeah, figure it out. Like, it's like, well, this might be more important than getting on stage for that $5 trophy. Yep. You know, I gotta be, I gotta be a little bit more functional and, 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 you know, a little more intuitive right now with the business than, than worry about the trophy. Yeah. So yeah, um, we'll see where it goes. I'll say one thing on that. And then we're going to ask you a last question is, yep. uh, I struggle with that portion exactly about what you just talked about right there of like you sign on something. So mm-hmm. we sign on a lot of stuff yeah. and then you commit to it and then you got to basically see it all the way through. Yep. And then it's difficult, like you said, to go worry about like as much of your health. And then I noticed like my health, I'll, I'll wake up early, I'll, I'll make time for it. Yeah. But then like relationships and spirituality, which it sounds like you're in similar, and I'm sure other people who listen to this podcast are probably in similar spots of like, that's the first thing to go is your spirituality and your relationships. And then you prioritize stuff. Cause I'm like, man, so in my head, if I signed it, I have to, I agreed to this, I'm going to see it through. And yeah. like, if not, everything falls through and uh, yeah, I'm realizing that's not, that's not, it can all work there. I would say balance balance is 
the key in, in, in my world for me to, to be able to do what I do. And it's probably for you too. Yeah. I mean, because like you said, you know, you start putting things on the back burner. You don't really want to put spirituality on the back burner. Yeah. I mean, at, 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 at the end of the day, it's kind of an important topic, right? I mean, yeah. It's kind of an important aspect of who you are. Mm -hmm. Your relationship, you definitely don't want to put on the back burner. Otherwise, you'll do what I did to my ex-wife and you'll leave her. Um, they'll leave you, you know, I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't want that. You don't, you don't put someone on the back burner when you commit to them. Yep. Um, so you do have to keep those things together, but also, yeah, you want to, you want to be healthy. You got to be healthy for your family. Right. You know, I don't have kids yet, but I mean, I, you, you do, correct? No, you I do not. Tony does have you, one. You, have a, you, you, you want to be around for a little while and make sure that your kid sees you and you can see your kid grow up. So mm -hmm. you want to be healthy. You want to be in shape. And, and I think there comes like a protective side to that too. You know, you got to be like, yes, scare off the boys. Do you have a daughter or son? I have a daughter. Yeah, so you got to scare off the boys. Yeah, you know, you gotta, when she's like 16, they need to be scared of that. Everybody's you know, scared of Tony, so that's, that's right. right. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's so, scared of Tony. Right. But, um, <laughs> I, and then, you know, the business, you, you can't do anything without the business being successful. I mean, yeah. it's those four things, they, they have to be balanced out. They all You got to fill each one of them. You know, yep. each one of those cups has to be filled. Right. And I think that's where people go wrong in life. I, I do. I believe that when people fail in one of those areas, the balance is thrown off. Mm -hmm. And when the balance is thrown off, you cannot thrive. Yeah. I truly believe that. Yep. So are we going to talk about Tinder? No. Okay. We don't have time now, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's next I'm one, kidding. No. Yeah, no, we'll, 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 I'll guest star on that we, one We can next. talk about it after the podcast, I think. <laughs> that sounds good. So, uh, Craig, you're on your deathbed. You're around death a lot. So I am, yes. So fast forward 70 years. Yep. You're on your deathbed. You have a final message to the world. It could be a sentence, a paragraph, a mantra. It could be a thought just your last final message to the world. It could be on a billboard in Times Square. It's whatever somebody, they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, oh yeah, that was Craig for sure. Top that was G, what baby. he would say. Top G, baby. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah, when I go back and look at my life and everybody like, they, they, they look at what I did in this life, which to some might not be much, to some it might be a lot. Um, I, I hope that I can inspire, especially, I, I mean, really anybody, but especially like a, a, men who, I mean, I, truthfully, yeah. No, I, I want to inspire men to become their best selves. I, I, I believe in traditional values. I always have since I was a kid. And I think that, you know, we have, we have duties as a man and society definitely kind of tries to deviate away from that nowadays. They try to teach us that, you know, men don't need to be men anymore. Well, I don't think that's right. I don't, I don't think that that works very well. When, when you have a society of weak men, you have issues. And we, I think we kind of can see that as, you know, not, not uh, you guys in this building, everybody in this building, you guys all fit that top G criteria. So I, I've been following your stuff for a while. I mean, I, I'm impressed by this guy. I mean, you, I, I don't just say that about any person. I mean, there's the, you, you guys have it figured out here. You know, you, you have values, you, we, the four things, you balance all those four things. We, you're a man about how you do things. You know, you have duties each day when you wake up that you have to, you know, take care of. And I, I do, I believe in that. I think that that's, that's how life should be. I mean, it, we all have days where we don't want to do shit, but we still got to do it. You got to get up and do it. I mean, I'm not going to make excuses for that. And uh, so my biggest thing would be to inspire people especially men to become their best version of themselves so they can take care of the people that they love. Um, I, I've, since I was a kid, I have always wanted to be my best version of myself. I mean, I've, I, I've never, I've always been my own superhero, to be honest. I've, I always have, I've always been, always been proud of who I am. I don't, I don't have any issues with that. So, um, you know, I, 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 I discovered who Andrew Tate was about a year ago. I don't know if you guys know who Andrew Tate is. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, as soon as I listen to this guy, I was like, 
that's literally how I feel about everything. Except <laughs> there's a couple small things I don't agree with. <laughs> he, he's he's weird about mental health. I, I think this is a little bit more important than how he describes it. But um, still, though, like this, the common principles are there. I, I, I believe with a lot of his values. So the biggest thing would be if I'm on my deathbed, someone said, "Hey, do you feel like you've you know left your mark on this earth?" I, without a doubt, will be able to say yes. Yeah, I, I have no doubt in my mind that by the time my legacy has come to an end, whoever gets to tell my story will be like, that guy was a top G. <laughs> that's, that's, awesome. that's what I believe will happen. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for, for the compliments. And then one thing I do want to share with you and the listeners, too, yeah. is like, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people see us a certain way and see me a certain way. They think I got it all figured out. So I just want to be very clear that I don't have the balance all figured out. No, I'm no. just working on it all the time. And I think that that's where a lot of people get mixed up. It's like, oh, man, I'm off balance in here. And then so they just give up. They're like, well, you know, again, you said make excuses. I'm not making excuses. Nope. I'm going to continue to work on figuring it out. I've, I've got divorced as well. Yep. I put her on the back burner. It's like my fault, very similar yep. to like, you know, oh, the way I, it was. I can guarantee you, if I go back and reflect on my divorce, um, I'm not going to blame bodybuilding on that because I don't think bodybuilding ruined my marriage by any means. I do think that I had my priorities screwed up at times, though. You know, sure. like making it to the gym was more important than helping her set up her new salon. I mean, I, I there's there's a lot of little things like that that I did yep. too, you know, it's not just all her. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, that, and that's my biggest thing, you, know, you but did you learn from your mistakes? Yep, exactly. You know, if you learn from your mistakes, then you can never fully fail, in yep. my opinion, you know, and that's that's the thing in life. I mean, you, you have any moments where you're going through some type of trial and you're like, oh man, I screwed this up. I royally screwed this up. What am I gonna do? Learn from it. Yep. Learn from don't do don't do it again. Next time you do things, do things better. Figure yep. it out. You know, it's not I don't think in life we really can ever lose if you can learn from from that event. Yep. So, I mean that's yeah, I think I that's yeah. yeah, that's the lesson. That's exactly it. And yeah. like that's everything cuz like a lot of people look at people like you or look at people like us and then they think that you know they can't ever achieve that or we're a certain way and it's exactly that it's like no everything that was a failure it doesn't just like oh now i failed that means i can't be in a relationship anymore yeah. it means no i failed okay what were the reasons that this failed why did this happen what did i have to do what did, do did i play yeah what did yeah. i what did i do in this situation and then yeah just find a way to continue to grow yourself and to to yep. be the best version of yourself what you talk 100% about 100% agree and, and, you know you kind of touched on something with the uh, how people perceive you or view you, you know, I, I know like, and it, it, the social media world's way different than real life. Right? Yeah. And don't ever get that confused. Like that's one thing I would say to your, to the listeners, don't ever believe that someone posts something on social media, they have their, like, you know, everything's like hundred percent gold chains and Maseratis and beautiful women on their boat. I mean, I have all that, but I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't have that. I don't have the Maserati and I don't have the boat or the beautiful women. <laughs> He's got the beautiful women. We already talked tender. about it earlier. <laughs> no, okay. But no, in, in all seriousness, um, people see that. I think sometimes people kind of judge you off that. You know, mm -hmm. they're like, well, that guy's doing, he's full of himself. Mm -hmm. No, no. And so that was something back in the day I used to be really hung up on. I used to think that people would, you know, if I posted something, they perceived me like I'm a dick or like I'm full of myself. Even bodybuilding photos. Yeah. Like I, I was scared sometimes to post photos. Like people are going to think that I'm into myself. No, I'm just proud of my progress, you mm -hmm. know. But I'm sure you guys get that too. You know, they probably see you and um, you know see money you've made or different deals that you have done. They're thinking, man, and posting that stuff. Why is he doing that? Hundred percent. But but that's but that's your life. You worked hard for that, you know. And I think it's okay to be proud of it. And also, you know, they they don't think about all the hours and the and you know you call them failures or lessons learned that happened along the way. It didn't happen overnight. 
Yep. You know, I, I didn't just grow my arms overnight. I didn't, yeah. ju- you know what I mean? You, you, it, it's a steady, consistent process, and you have to keep balance while you do that. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's hard, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know? And so as long as you stay consistent, I think things can, can pan out and life can be good. You're still going to be a top G. <laughs> I like it. So, all righty. Well, I think, appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Uh, is there any, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Oh yeah, so okay, so let me yeah let me let me end on this Tinder so, account. <laughs> yeah, I got Tinder. No, I, I'm off that now. It's a grinder now. I'm, I'm, kid, I'm, kid, I'm kidding. I'm Bumble. kidding. No. <laughs> yeah, but but actually, I met the girl I'm dating. Uh, I met her on Hinge. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. So Hinge might be if I get married to this girl, I'm gonna just go give him a five star review. Gonna, yeah, it's, it's on. <laughs> but uh, in, in all seriousness, so if anyone's ever interested in um, anything funeral related, I will say. Uh, Hess Funeral Home, that's the one I own. It's in LaGrange, soon to be in Fort Wayne. We'll be operational next year. The funeral home will nice. be done. We'll be operating in Fort Wayne next year. I can travel anywhere within the state, though, to do funerals. So if anybody needs something done now, I can I, I can assist now. Obviously, the best way to get hold of me, you can Google Hess Funeral Home. The phone number pops right up. Uh, I have an Instagram account, uh, Mortuary Muscle, kind of a funny <laughs> name. Uh, people can message me on there, Facebook as well. You can message uh, on there. Um, I don't do any personal training thing. I always get that. People always ask, hey, do you do personal training? Do you do? I don't do any of that stuff. I, um, you know, I, I never wanted it to become a job. Well, mm-hmm. I figured once it became a job, it would, I would lose the, the love for it. So the gym's kind of like my, that's like you said about your know, mental clarity. Yeah. That's, that's kind of just for me now. But um, I, I definitely could point people in the right direction for coaches and whatever. If anyone ever had the questions about that, though. So been in the game a long time. I like it. I lost all my hair doing it, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But yeah. So I, I appreciate your guys' time again. It was fun to be on the be on the podcast. I look forward to seeing it and seeing the shininess from my bald head. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. It was awesome. And yeah, I think that people get a lot of value. I mean, you've 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 lived a lot of life and you've gone through yeah, a lot of different things, yeah. had a lot of different lessons. So Yeah, definitely have. Um it's hard to believe sometimes. You sit back and think, you know, gosh, I've I endured that, I went through that. Yeah, yep. it's kind of neat. You know, that's yeah. what life's about, though. They, uh, they, you know, I'll conclude on this. I want to conclude on this. Um, there's this poem. It's read at funerals all the time. Mm. It's called the Dash, and I'm not going to read the. I'm not going to state the whole poem, but essentially the the principle of the, of the, or the, I guess the meaning of it is you, know, you have your date, your date of birth, you have your date of death. No, that shit matters. It's the dash, the in between, mm. how you live your life, what you do during that lifetime, creating that legacy. That's what it's about. So if there's, if I can get anyone to take anything away from this, from my perspective, it would be to make sure you live your dash the way you want to live it. Love it. Yeah. All right. See you guys on the next one. Peace.